And today we're talking about our resurrection bodies. You might have read this somewhere that um, uh, in some lighter moments of his thinking, Benjamin Franklin penned his own epitaph with these words. The body of B. Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here. Food for worms, but the work shall not be wholly lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition. Well, he was talking about the resurrection. And he was talking about the process of, of life and death and then eternal life and our resurrection bodies. And we've all been talking about that, looking at that as we've gone through 1 Corinthians 15. And that's why Paul wrote this letter, uh, and uh, particularly this chapter. And we've seen why. It's because in the culture, dominantly the Greek culture that influenced the Corinthian believers, uh, they were having a struggle about believing about a bodily uh, resurrection because their culture, non-Christian culture, uh, said that there was no such thing, that maybe we became like disembodied uh, spirits that were floating around. And so we found that some of the main problems that they were having was the fact, uh, just like today, that they were believers who really weren't really grounded and rooted in the teaching of God and the teaching of God's Word. Now, we have more of it today than they had back then. But um, so many of them had not totally embraced that concept of a bodily resurrection. And so Paul writes this letter of 1 Corinthians 15 to give them instruction. In the last several weeks, we've looked over it, and, and this is what he's addressed. First of all, he said that the resurrection is the very heart, the core, the center of our belief as believers. And all of our belief is founded upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the great things he did in that section of Scripture was he gave a listing of the eyewitnesses to whom Jesus had appeared after his resurrection. Then the second week we, t- we noticed that Paul talked about the importance of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he did so by surveying some of the terrible consequences that we would live with today had Jesus not been bodily resurrected from the grave. And then the third week, we focus on the certainty of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that there would be a future resurrection for us as believers because Jesus uh, had been resurrected. And Paul kind of ended that section by saying, would I live the way that I live, enduring everything that I've had to endure for the cause of the kingdom of Christ and proclaiming the gospel of Christ if there was no resurrection? And so now today we come to deal with the question, well, what would, our, what would our resurrection bodies be like? Will we be able to swing with the saints as we've been challenged today in that new Jerusalem? Well, I think there are a lot of things that we're going to get to do uh, when we get to spend eternity with God. But one of the first things we have to understand is there is a resurrection. And we need to understand what kind of bodies we will have in the resurrection. And that's what our scripture talks about today and teaches us beginning in um, verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as He has determined, and to each kind of seed He gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. 
There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Now, we'll begin to look at this, uh, another rather lengthy section of Scripture. And it's got a lot of different references and illustrations that Paul uses to talk about our resurrection bodies. And what begins this dialogue is Paul asking a question that probably he's already heard in verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body will they come? I like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the message by saying this, Some skeptic is sure to ask, show me how resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does this resurrection body look like? Well, I think that that puts it right down to where we live. And I think those are some of the questions that we ask about this resurrection concept. You know, explain to me how the resurrection works. How do our bodies get resurrected? What are they going to look like? What kind of bodies will they be? What will we be able to do in these bodies? Why do we need resurrection bodies? Well, I think uh, all those questions and issues can be broken down uh, into just simply three simple questions that have profound answers. First question is this, how does the process of resurrection work? In other words, how are we made new? That was a question that Paul was hearing. And we find the answer in verses 36 through 38. And what Paul reminds us is that Death is a natural process of resurrection. And he goes on to talk about when a seed is planted in the ground, it dies and it actually decomposes. And it's got to cease existing in its original form of the seed for it then to burst forth and come to life as the plant. And Jesus applied that same image to his own body uh, shortly before his death and resurrection. For Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see, before Jesus could bear the fruit of our salvation, he had to die. And the point that Paul makes here is the same that's true for us. We can't be raised until we have died. And it's in a sense that we're not really buried or cremated. The reality is that we are sown just as a seed is sown. And from that sowing, then a new life will explode. I want you to notice something about this. That teaching, one of the essence of our faith in Christ, is unique 
to the Christian faith alone out of all the philosophies and all the teachings and all the religions of the world. And then Paul goes on in verse 37 to say that there will be a difference between the physical body and the resurrected body, the old form and the new form. Paul talks about the plant that emerges from the seed will look different from the seed. How many of you planted some seeds this spring? Whether you got a garden or flowers or something like that, plant some seeds. Well, uh, Cookie's got a little garden. I say it's hers because um, she planted it and she's going to work it. It's not mine. But um, I, I found one of the packages of seeds that she had planted. And it's called, I don't know, it's Blue Lake Bush. I think those are green beans. And see, it comes in even a kind of a plain wrapper here. And it uh, doesn't even have a picture of the uh, bush that it's going to look like. I know what it's going to look like because I've seen it in years past. But that little tiny seed right there, it has to go into the ground. It has to be sown. It has to die. It has to decompose. And then from that will come a bush, a green bean bush. And it will produce what? It will produce other green beans. And if Cookie works her garden right and the Lord blesses, we'll have some fresh green beans later on when the time comes. Well, Paul uses that analogy to say to us, the resurrected body doesn't look anything like the body uh, that it was before. And just like that seed has to be planted, it comes up looking like something else. And it will be a glorious body. It will be completely different. Now, here's here's an important lesson for us to understand. That's that process of making us new. We have a new body. And we can't do anything about it, about that new body that we'll get. But boy, does our country spend money and time on this anti-aging process. The cosmetic surgery process alone is over $12 billion of business a year. That and and potions and and all kinds of vitamins and all kinds of stuff that we take to try to to stop this this aging process. And that doesn't even count. I couldn't even find a figure on this. Of all the money that's spent around the country on gym memberships. And, And all of those things to do what? To try to keep us fit. To try to keep us in shape. So that we don't age the way that you were supposed to age. Now, there's value and benefit to that. You need to keep your body in as good a shape as you can because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you need to use it to the glory of God. But I want to remind you of something in here. And that is that the glorious body that we will receive in the resurrection, we have no power over that at all. Nothing we do in this world is going to do anything to shape that body except what we believe in Jesus Christ. Now then Paul goes on in verse 38 to say something else about that. He says, but God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. What's Paul talking about? I think Paul is saying to us, there will be some sense of continuity about your resurrected body in glory uh, that will allow you to be recognized and you will recognize others in that glorious resurrection state. You might want to call that the permanence of personality. So we all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. We all created differently. We all created in the image of God, but we look differently. Our bodies are different. They function differently. But there is going to be that permanence of personality where we will be recognized in heaven. What do we base that upon? Well, 
After his resurrection and Jesus chose to reveal himself to his disciples, they saw him. You remember the transfiguration in Mark 9 where Jesus takes a, a, a Peter and James and John and they go up onto the mountain and Elijah and, a Mos- and Moses appear to them. And they recognize both Elijah and Moses. And then Jesus is talking about the kingdom feast that will come in Matthew 8 verse 11. And he says to us that we will recognize Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in that heavenly feast in, king, in the kingdom yet to come. I'm reminded of a story where uh, a salesman was out in the, in the farming districts of a certain state. And he went up to a house there and he, and he went up to the, to, had come up the long driveway there to the, to the um, farmhouse. And he knocked on the door and, and the wife came to the door and he said, is your husband at home? He said, I've got some new products I want to show to him. And, and she says, he's at home, but he's out in the field with the cows. And, and the salesman says, well, I really want to show him these, these new products. He said, well, I have any trouble finding him. And she said, no, he'll be the one with the beard and the mustache and wearing overalls. Well, our resemblance to this body in heaven, well, it'll be totally different. But yet there will be something about us that will allow us to be recognized. We will carry some of our personality traits with us. God made us for eternity. And our uniqueness will carry on with us into eternity. So when the question is asked, you know, how is this going to take place? Paul talks about that concept about a seed has to be sown and it has to die and then it has to burst forth into a new plant. And so our bodies have to die and we have to be sown and then we'll have a new body that will be raised in great splendor. Now that leads to the second question. And that question is this, what will we be like in heaven? What kind of body will we have in heaven? See, in heaven our new body will be different than we are today. And again, using that plant analogy, uh, we're told that the plant is far better than the seed that produced it. See, would you rather eat this, this, this packet of seeds that I have in my pocket, or would you rather eat the fruit of green beans that comes from the bush? Well, see, that's what Paul kind of says. There's a difference in that between the body now and the body that there will be in heaven. In verses 39 through 41, Paul goes on to talk about the different kinds of existence that there are. And even in nature, God creates things with varying degrees of splendor. And he talks about uh, we will be perfectly suited then with our new resurrection body to spend eternity in heaven. And Paul does a great job, I think, of using illustrations from the worlds of biology and astronomy. And he points to the tremendous variety in the animal kingdom and the infinite variety of the sun and the moon and the stars. And each body, whether terrestrial or extraterrestrial, is perfectly matched to its intended environment. And that's what he says will be with our body. And then in verses 42 through 44, he gives us some definite uh, characteristics of that body and how this old body will be changed into a new body. Paul says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, there are four contrasts there that Paul uses. Let's look at each one of them very briefly. The first contrast says that the perishable will be made imperishable. See, that talks about our durability. 
As human beings, we know we're not very durable. We, we, we break down, our bodies decay, uh, uh, need repair, they, they decay. Uh, I mean, our bodies are not made to last forever. We know that all the time. Have you found yourself as you grow older saying, well, the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak? That's because we're getting older and, and the body wears down and we can't do all the things that we used to do. But Paul says the good news of the resurrection is that we will be raised for good and we will be eternally alive as Christ is. And there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And the body that was, it's now perishable will be raised imperishable. That's great news, isn't it? Great news. Then the second contrast, he says, is this. The body that is now dishonorable will be made glorious. But what are we talking about? We're talking about our value or our potential now. And even though we might be in Christ, this body is still dishonorable. Why? Because we don't always do what God would want us to do. We don't always live the way that God would want us to live. We constantly sin. We continue to fall short of that glory and the image of God. But we always have that before us of that glorious, wonderful image of Christ in all of His glory. And isn't that absolutely marvelous that in in the resurrection, this body will no longer be dishonorable. There will be no more sin in this body, but we will be glorious. We will be like the glorious body of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul refers to in Philippians 3.21. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Isn't that absolutely amazing? You see, all throughout eternity, this new immortal body will be gloriously, honorably valuable to God and to the kingdom of God. Then there's the third contrast that Paul makes, and it's this. He says, this weak body will be made powerful. And that has to do with our abilities. See, our our bodies are not only not durable, but they're also weak. You know, that has to do with our abilities because our earthly bodies are temporary, weak, and fragile. But our new resurrection bodies won't be like that. They'll be raised in power. And again, we'll be like Jesus. We'll experience no limitation of weakness. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, why do I need a powerful body in heaven? Well, let me get an image out of your mind. When heaven is fully consummated, we don't float around on clouds and pluck on harps and wear halos and wings. I don't even know if the angels do that. But we don't become angels. You understand that? And we are certainly not just made just to float around on the clouds up there in heaven. I don't understand all this process and don't know everything that's in store for us. But when you read about all the other events that will take place in the the millennial reign, when Christ comes back to earth and we reign with him, we've got our new body when we come back. And then you go ahead and you read in Revelation. You talk about the fact that we're not going to float around on the clouds. Absolutely not. Because Jesus said, we have work to do. That's why we need a body that will not be weak any longer. Now, what kind of work? I'm not sure, but we'll know when we get there. And that's why we had different rewards, remember? Jesus talked about that. 
You know, you do this, you're faithful, you'll be over ten cities. The guy here didn't do a whole lot, he'll be over five cities. And this one didn't do anything, he won't even have any kind of place. He might get in. Old times I used to hear talked about the fact that people would get in by the skin of their teeth. I heard somebody one time talk about the fact that somebody got into heaven but his butt was scorched. I'd never heard that before. That might be a better illustration, shouldn't it? I don't know that I've ever used that word from the pulpit before in 36 years of preaching. That might get your attention. Read Matthew 19, 28, Revelation chapter 20, and you'll find out in time to come there are things we're going to be doing for the kingdom. And that's why we need a body that's not weak, but we need it strong. And then there's that fourth contrast that Paul talks about. And it's the the difference between the natural body and the spiritual body. That which is natural, this is a natural body, we're going to get a spiritual body. It's going to be a body like Jesus. You know, Jesus was able to go through uh, doors and locked doors. But yet at the same time, it was a body that needed nourishment. And he took in food and was doing different kinds of things. It's going to be a wonderful body. And Paul does a great analogy here of reminding us about the difference between the first Adam, who was Adam, and his fall, and the second Adam, who is Christ. And he says that the second Adam, Jesus, is then a life-giving spirit. And then in verses 46 through 48, he summarizes this order of physical creation and spiritual recreation in this new life. That in Christ, he says, we are spiritually reborn. For he says in verse 49, And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, in this body we bear the image of Adam, so also we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. That will be our spiritual body. And Paul assures us that we will have resurrection bodies that are eternally alive because of Jesus Christ and what he gives to us. Now the whole issue though is this. This is what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this, this imperishable and glorious and strong and spiritual body. Let me give you one word of warning. Everybody doesn't get that. Everybody will be raised. Do you understand that? Everybody will have a resurrection. Everybody will not spend eternity in heaven. And everybody will not experience this kind of resurrection body that Paul is describing. It's for believers in Jesus Christ. If you choose not to believe in Jesus, and you choose not to put your faith in Him, and you choose not to trust Him with your life, then your resurrection doesn't come till later at the end of time. And that's when you stand before the great white throne judgment. And you're cast into the lake of fire with Satan forever and ever. Now, all hinges upon the fact of believing in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he said. You remember in the, in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, there's that beautiful story about the friendship that Jesus had with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And the word came that Lazarus was sick unto death, and Jesus delayed going. And then when they got there about four days later, you know, the sisters said, You know, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And they ended in that, to that uh, dialogue, Jesus said, Your brother shall rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?
You know what he's talking about? He's talking about what he proved on Easter Sunday with his resurrection. That he is indeed the resurrection and the life. And what does he mean when he says if we believe we'll never die? That means we won't die the second death. We won't die the second death which is being condemned to the lake of fire. But we will die only once. The body will be sown into the ground like a seed. And at the day of resurrection, we will come forth and we'll be united with Christ and we'll have that wonderful resurrected body. If you believe in Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Now here comes that third and final question. And you've got to be sitting there wondering this, I hope anyway. When will believers in Jesus be resurrected? When do I get this body? Well, it's very simple. It's when Jesus comes back to claim his church. It's known as the rapture. When believers are taken out of this world. And he goes on to tell us, we've looked at it before, but it's so foundational. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 is that, that key resurrection passage about Jesus coming to claim the church. And he says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. When do we get these resurrection bodies? It's on the day of resurrection. The trumpet will blast, and Christ will descend. He will claim the church. The dead in Christ will rise first, and all living Christians at that time We'll be raptured with Christ. And we will be reunited with Christ. And that's when we'll get our resurrection bodies. That's when he comes to gather us. And to take us to be with him in heaven forever. Billy Graham told this story at some point in time about another pastor. Who was in a certain town and he he passed a shop that was no longer open for business. And a sign hung in the window that said closed for alterations. And it was very simple to understand. The owner of the shop had closed it for a period of time so that there could be some renovation to take place in the building. But when it would reopen, it would be remodeled with many changes and many improvements. And Billy Graham says that's a picture of the death of a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we move out of this body temporarily until it's repaired, until it's restored And then at the resurrection, we'll receive that glorified body, that wonderful spiritual body, that imperishable body, after God has done all the alterations to this body. So, if nothing changes in our life, you know, death can be a frightening thought and can be a frightening experience. But if you've embraced Jesus Christ as Savior, then He's made all the difference in your life. You believe Him as the resurrection and the life, and you don't fear death anymore. Because you know you're going to be planted like a seed, and you're going to come forth. Just like the plant from that seed into a glorious resurrected body. And there will be no dishonor in that body. There will be no weakness in that body. There will be nothing In this body that will be weak or frail or temporary. But we will be a glorious body. An imperishable body. All to the glory of God for all eternity. So, yes, there is that resurrection body that God promises us. That's wonderful. 
if we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and as the resurrection and the life. You see, some of the Christian believers there really hadn't embraced that total concept about the resurrection. They really weren't totally committed in their faith to Christ. And I want to ask you today, are you totally committed in your faith to Christ? Do you believe He's the resurrection and the life? And you believe that when you die, you await that day of resurrection, and then you have a resurrected body, and you will go to heaven and spend eternity with God and Christ and do all the wonderful things, whether it's swinging with the saints all the way to the work that He has for us to do? Then you can, you can look forward to that day with hope and anticipation, no dread and no fear. But if you've not placed your faith in Christ, then I challenge you today to do so. Come and acknowledge that He is the resurrection and the life. And accept Him as your Savior. And embrace the entire concept of the resurrection body through faith in Jesus Christ, who was bodily resurrected from the dead and has abolished death and brought us life, not only abundantly, but also eternally. Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Scripture that challenges us. And I pray today that we'll not only be challenged to embrace Christ as the resurrection and the life, but that we will also be challenged to live for your glory in this world today, and that we will live with no fear of death, knowing that it is our death that transports us into your presence for all eternity, where we live in this resurrected body. And so, Father, I pray that we can all leave here confidently today, uh, knowing that there is that resurrected body, and eternity in your presence that awaits us after we die. Father, we look forward to your return. We pray that you will rend the heavens quickly and send the Lord Jesus down to gather the church and begin this entire process so that you might be honored and glorified. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to